2: Hi, everyone, and welcome to the Delicious Yellow podcast with me, Matthew Mills, and my wife and business partner, Ella Mills.
0: Hi, everyone. Um, So today, we're going to be talking all about exercise and how it impacts on us, especially on our mental well-being. And I'm sure we've all heard phrases like exercise releases, endorphins, and endorphins make you happy. We keep reading about our 10,000 steps and generally that moving our body is a good thing, but we really want to know why and why as we start to move, as we start to sweat, that helps us does it help us and we have a lot of questions we've also just signed up for a marathon so we're looking for a little bit of inspiration there as well so we've got amazing dr brendan stubbs on our podcast with us today who's a researcher at king's college london and brendan thank you for coming
1: thank you so much for the kind invitation delighted oh, to be here
0: our pleasure
2: so brendan for people who aren't uh, familiar with your work can you just give a bit of a bit of background?
1: Sure, absolutely. So I'm a mental health physiotherapist working in the South London Maudsley, which is a big mental health trust. So I do clinical work there, helping people with mental health diagnosis. And then a large portion of my time is, is doing research, specifically looking at how physical activity and exercise uh, may improve our mental health or prevent us from getting mental health conditions in the future. So I've got a dual role, clinical and also doing research. Fantastic. And you said
0: you've been doing that for about 15 years now in terms of the clinic and about six years on the research. So during that time, have you seen the sh- shift in the conversation around mental health? Because we were just saying, you know, one in four people in the UK will be affected by mental health every year. One in six people every single week will have some kind of issue with adverse mental health, be that anxiety or stress related kind of depression and things like that. Do you think the conversation's changing?
1: The conversation has massively changed and it's, it's, it's absolutely fantastic for um, people because, as you say, mental health is is all of our business and we all have mental health and people can cross over that threshold to having uh, a big impact on their daily lives. So there's been a real welcome openness around mental health and there's much less stigma around. So it's really encouraging to hear um, high-profile people talking about their mental health or their struggles. And I think that's really helped um, shift public perception and people's openness in talking about mental health um, and it's really important as well because when you look at large data across all of the world and what are the leading causes of uh, years lived with disability or or conditions across the whole spectrum that contributes to uh, people's adverse lives mental health specifically depression is continu- continually the top cause of years lived with disability that impacts people's lives really. above any of the other medical conditions so yeah, it's really important that we're talking
2: about it yeah particularly for guys. I think there's always been something for guys where you thought you just had to kind of get on with it. And there has this whole new conversation, which makes it completely fine for people to talk about it. And led by the princes, I think, with a lot of work that they've been doing.
0: Yeah, the heads together Um, campaign. yeah. Um,
2: So, Brendan, if we can just start with the absolute basics, uh, what actually happens in our brains
1: and our bodies when we exercise and, and why does it help? Sure, that's a that's a good question, and there's a there's a number of different answers to that. And it's difficult to isolate any particular mechanism, but I can give you an overview of some yeah, of the research great. which which underpins that. So whenever we exercise, say if it's aerobic exercise where we're increasing our heart rate, we'll so, that, so
0: that's kind of running, swimming, running, something like
1: swimming, that. brisk walking, where you're getting your heart rate up, that will lead to increased blood flow to your brain. And and the brain's a fantastic computer where there's lots of connections to various uh, different parts within the brain and when you exercise you will get uh, blood flow which increases movement and connectivity between different parts of the brain and you can also get Um, new cells forming with exercise over time, which is called neurogenesis. And one of the areas which we're really excited about is looking at a particular area in the brain called the hippocampus, which is really key for um, developing memories from short to to long term and various uh, thoughts, feelings and emotions. And there's good evidence when you look at people doing physical activity over time that it can help protect this area from shrinking within the brain. But even when you give exercises and intervention, you can actually get cell regeneration in this particular area of the brain as well. And what's the optimal amount that people should, you know,
2: maybe a thirty-year-old person, or forty-year-old person, twenty-year-old person? <laughs> what what's the optimal amount that they should be targeting? In our research, it looked like it was one hundred and fifty
1: minutes a week, or five times thirty minutes a week. Is is that about right, or? Yeah, that, that is right. That's recommendations from the World Health Organization or the government within this country as well. But for many people, um, that may seem... Uh, inconceivable that you perhaps couldn't go from not doing very much to going to do 150 minutes per week so the important message which I always give to people which is backed up by evidence is just just making a start to increase the amount of physical activity you're doing each day can really have a positive impact and then you can build up towards those aspirational targets of 150 minutes per week.
0: So one question I had on that because I found quite interesting was conversations from some people around kind of sitting disease and the sedentary impact um that we're getting from our kind of modern lifestyles of sitting at a desk and what happens if you go and you do a kind of big workout for 30 minutes and really sweat but then you sit down for eight ten hours does that should we be trying not to do that does that matter does it impact us whether we do it one go and then sit all day or no
1: so there's a couple of points I'd like to pick up on that yeah. really important question. So first of all, sedentary behaviour or sitting and not moving around in the day has is, is really become problematic. Everything within society is set up to make things easier for us with more transport to sit down. And we're encouraged to be less active and we sit at a desk all day or various different tasks. And there is good evidence Um, from the large data that if you are very sedentary that it may be associated with a range of adverse physical health outcomes as well. That's quite well established such as diabetes or obesity. But we actually did a really interesting study recently looking at 40,000 people in Sweden and we looked at the relationship between sitting or sedentary behaviour over a 13 year period and we adjusted for people's physical activities and how active people were over the course of the day. And what we found is that those who are engaging in mentally passive sitting behaviour, so that would be such as, such as sitting and staring at a TV screen, were at increased risk of developing depression compared to those who were engaging in less mentally passive sedentary behaviour such as engaging in computer work okay. where you're you're crossword. stimulating your mind, doing a crossword. We found there was no evidence of an increased risk of developing depression in the future as well. So there's important distinctions between the context in which we're sitting. Um, there was a really interesting um, randomised control trial. And in science, this is the, the top of the quality of evidence. And it was looking at young people in their 20s who didn't have any mental health comorbidity, were as far as the researchers were physically healthy and mentally healthy as well. And what they did is they randomized them so they were um, allocated to the intervention or just to carry on as usual. And the intervention, instead of giving them something which they thought would be helpful, such as doing an exercise or a medication, was be more sedentary, sit down and do not move. So they were told to be more sedentary and the other group just carried on as usual. And what they found over a four week period over this enforced sedentary behavior is these young healthy uh, people in their early twenties started to get uh, deteriorations in their mood when you measured that and that was actually underpinned by changes in some inflammation markers within the blood and stress hormones as well. So in people who are healthy if you all of a sudden enforce to be more sedentary you can increase your risk of developing uh, mental health issues as well. And because that is a randomised controlled trial, that means we can make uh, causal inferences or we can think that is actually attributed to the enforced sedentary behaviour. And does the
2: impact of exercise go across all mental health, whether it's stress, anxiety, grief, um, or, or is there a specific type of uh, mental health that, that it affects the most and in the most positive way?
1: Yeah, so it's again a really another good question. So the best evidence... We should have you more in more often. Most people look at me like I'm bonkers <laughs> when I ask my questions. Exactly. You do ask some really good questions. I could spend quite a long time answering that question. But what, um, So the most evidence around exercise as an intervention for mental health is around depression. There's really robust evidence that aerobic exercise over 12 to 14 weeks, such as doing 90 or 150 minutes a week, is really effective in reducing people's depressive symptoms. Um, And it has comparable effects for mild to moderate depression as some psychological interventions as well. And and this is not to say that one should do one or the other. Clearly, everything is important, but it just goes to show the potency of of exercise in depression. Um, And so uh, a colleague in Brazil recently did a a systematic review where he collated all all of the evidence to look at how does exercise work and in over 40 randomised control trials consistently found that exercise had a powerful reduction in people's depressive symptoms there's also emerging evidence about resistive training as well so when you're working your muscles against some resistance training that could be in a gym or some body weight um, resistive training which can also really reduce your depressive symptoms as well but as an intervention there's also really good evidence that exercise can help people with post-traumatic stress disorder as well Um, that could be structured exercise there's also evidence for yoga also other anxiety and stress related conditions as well but there's also really good evidence that it can help other more severe mental health conditions such as schizophrenia and there's emerging evidence around bipolar disorder as well so
0: i've got a question i was talking to someone very close to me this morning who who's really struggled with depression um, she's been on medication for a while now and she said that during she had kind of two really challenging points that during the second point exercise really helped her and she said the hardest part of it though was twofold motivating yourself to actually do the exercise and then on the other hand it was a sort of a bit like a drug and at times she wanted to then go and do it multiple times a day because she felt it was a thing that was really helping her and she was asking kind of It'd be interesting to understand a you know how do you not make it become addictive um, and use it in a positive sense and then be how do you actually when you are and I'm sure we've all felt this when you're in a difficult spot how do you find the motivation to then go and do it because it's probably the last thing that you actually want to do
1: quite quite and I'll answer those in reverse if I can Brilliant. so um, so how do we get going I mean I think we should. You know, take it easy on people who have mental health symptoms as yeah. well because uh, you know, I'm fortunate today I'm in good health and, and well-being but I find it really difficult to get to the gym and motivate myself this morning so it's, it can be difficult uh, for all of us but clearly when uh, you have a mental health condition such as depression some of the core symptoms are uh, withdrawal, lack of motivation so getting people up and going is, is really difficult so again w- when somebody is low in motivation and feeling low is just trying to find an activity that you really enjoy. And just making a start can be important. Social support and networks for those people are really important as well. And there's So research maybe trying about to do that. it
0: with someone else.
1: Yeah, so like a, a close friend who can come along and say, let's go out for a walk. And then it's important if you have a positive experience, you go out, you experience the pleasures of going out for a walk, then you're more likely to go back to that particular behaviour as, as well. Yes. Also professionals can support. So when you look at the evidence base and you look over time is having professional support, can really help people to start engaging in exercise with depression and also maintain that as well. Um, and uh, group settings have also been found to be helpful for people with depression as well. So there's a number of different strategies, and then you can set a number of goals for people, and setting SMART goals to help people get active can be important. And
0: that then also taps into what we were saying at the beginning, isn't it, the idea of opening up the conversation, trying to be honest with people around you, and then try and get their support in arranging to do a class or a walk or a run or whatever it is with them so that they do come and help you kind of get out the door. And
1: yeah, yeah, and it's it's just that coming alongside someone and saying let's go out and do yeah. something which you enjoy, which can be really, really helpful and then people can engage in the enjoyment from, from being active. And getting back to your uh, yeah, first question, the question. addictive point, so exercise uh, is, and when we engage in it, uh, feeds back into our reward systems. There's a number of reward systems which happen in the brain which make us feel good when we exercise as well. Which is, I'm sure, we've all experienced. Is What's that known a runners, as the runner's high? high? The runners okay. high. So we've all experienced that feeling when we've gone to the gym and we've, or we've done a run and we've done something and we, we feel good, don't we? So. Clearly, for some people, that can become addictive because anything which makes you feel good, you are more likely to go back and want to do it as well. So for for, for those people, if they do have a mental health uh, comorbidity and they're finding it difficult to get going, as far as it goes, exercise is probably very safe to be addicted to addicted to in the short term um, if you maintained that uh, wanting to go back and necessity to exercise over any period of time then it's probably something to look at but in the earlier stages of a mental health condition um, it's probably quite a healthy thing to uh, replace to get you out of the door
0: okay that's really really interesting
1: so is it more powerful if we're
2: looking at exercise in conjunction with things like sleep and diet or does it work on its own too
1: Again, Matt, I've got to say, very good question. Andy, you are you the you
2: man. really loaded up. You, you are. are coming
1: in every episode from now on.
2: Okay. And you are co hosting.
1: Uh,
0: well, okay. <laughs> Am I fired? Yeah, yeah. Liz,
1: unfortunately going to so, have to leave. <laughs> <laughs> so, so clearly, exercise on its own can have a potent impact. So when we do randomized controlled trials, we can truly say, is it the intervention which we're given which makes a difference? And we can say that exercise as an added thing compared to no treatment works. But I'm sure we've all experienced that if we start engaging in some exercise, we start eating better, then we're much more likely to have a positive impact as well. And within the whole wellbeing and wellness movement, the more which we tie in all aspects of lifestyle, the more likely we are to have a positive impact. as well so if you can include doing your physical activity with eating a a nutritious food then that will have a positive impact as well and clearly also having a good sleep um, hygiene and routine as well is also really important and that whole package can be really potent to maintain our well-being but also help when we have a mental health condition too
0: but it's a positive cycle isn't it as well because when you sleep you have more energy And so, and, and, but then exercise helps you sleep better, doesn't it? And then when you
2: exercise, you want to eat better as well because you don't want to go give up everything you've just done in through the run you've been on or in the gym by go eating something unhealthy. So, I am.
1: Yeah, they all go so closely together. And it's just so important to look at all of those aspects when we want to address sort of whole person well being as well. Just creates a cycle. It creates a really positive cycle.
0: So if anyone's listening and they are maybe in a kind of slightly difficult place in their life right now, not necessarily kind of very, very serious, um, but just struggling with a bit of anxiety, low mood, kind of milder depression sort of thing, do you have any sort of top tips or advice that you would give them from your experience working with patients of things that they could maybe look at start implementing in their life today, small changes that they could make?
1: Yeah, sure. So just making small changes and be reassured that small changes in your daily routine can make a big difference. So perhaps you're not feeling particularly great and you may be stressed and anxious. So just going out for a five minute walk on your lunch break or in the morning is a really important start to getting you along that physical activity continuum. And then once you make a start, it's much easier to make bigger changes. And often taking that first step is really difficult as well. Also, surround yourself by positive people or friends and that can be really difficult if you're feeling low and depressed as well but having that support around us can be really important to help us be active and also stay and remain active as well so that's also important as well but importantly find something which you enjoy um, because if the uh, you, know, you don't particularly like doing running, then, then don't do running. Go and find something which you endure, enjoy. There's really good evidence that all types of movement can be really beneficial for your mental and also your physical health as well. So just getting started, find something you enjoy and try and do it around people who have a positive impact on your life.
0: Yeah, i found that. I've, I've definitely struggled with my mental health over over the last kind of five, six years a lot. And I tried all kinds of different exercises. I was, you know, see people doing them online and think I should do something like that. And I didn't enjoy them. And I found yoga. And for me, I started doing yoga pretty much every day before work. And it's been so transformative for my mental health, kind of more so than any tool I've ever found. And I'm sure as well, so much of it is that I love it. Yeah. And it's a routine for me. And I, I know the studio, I know the teachers. So I, even when I don't want to go I still go and the power it has is massive. Whereas you're you actually quite like a burpee and things like <laughs> that. Or you're open too. Whereas if someone tried to make me do that every day, I would never, ever do it. And so yeah. I wouldn't feel those benefits. No, but it's been
2: noticeable with Ella when she does yoga and she does exercise or we have a routine where we, walk, we take Austin, our dog, for an hour mm. walk in the morning um it's amazing the difference in shift that that creates for Alex to just give her, her space to think, you know, yeah. and, um, it's, it's really, really tangible, that difference that, that, that she gets in that with, with me, I'm, I feel like I'm, I,
0: Matt's the most balanced person you'll ever meet in your life.
2: Okay. <laughs> I don't know about that. <laughs> but, um, I, yeah, I, I enjoy doing exercise. I've played sport my whole entire life. Yeah. And so I've always absolutely loved it. I got slightly out of the habit and routine of going to the gym i actually just joined a gym uh, recently which i'm really really enjoying we're going to start training for the marathon we want to make it a long Fantastic. slow build yeah uh, that's for, for great Because it's
0: good to hear about as high because i've never high. experienced that yeah, before. <laughs> yeah i always just i always
2: just have to run as low we actually did half a marathon um a couple of years ago okay. and, and we
0: hated it did you
2: <laughs> yeah. we actually the funny thing about it was, was i actually i actually kind of enjoyed it but I got to the end and I thought anyone who can run a marathon is literally like they are a different form of creature to me. I yeah. couldn't walk. I think I might have been able to walk about another 20 steps after the finish line but that was it i just sat there in a heap yeah, not being able to move i mean it was brutal and so i thought i'm gonna to have to run another one again when we do the marathon yeah is, but now I don't we know, know, quite
0: know it's how building different. up our brains and all yeah. the pathways you, in the brain got out.
1: time as well yeah i mean you've, you've got time but that's also really good within sort of you know, relationships as well we're doing that exercise together it has a really powerful impact on longevity um as, as well in terms of doing it but yoga is a fantastic exercise yeah as well as really good evidence coming for mental health, and also one particular um, sort of hormone which can impact stress, like cortisol, is there's really good evidence that yoga can reduce cortisol. So we're still we've still got a lot to learn yeah. about how exercise improves our mental health, but we do know it works. Particularly yoga's got great benefits.
0: Yeah, I find it's like magic for me. I walk in and I can be so stressed, and I walk out an hour later feeling like I couldn't. I can't even remember what I was stressed about.
1: It's it's so powerful, and again, say so if I go to sort of gym or do some exercise in the morning, it just completely shifts my mindset and just builds up that resilience w- within me to sort of be able to go about today. It's fantastic.
2: Yeah, I've actually noticed it.
1: I just started exercising and going
2: to the gym properly. Um, even just a few weeks ago, I joined in on it's Friday today and on Monday I went to the gym we've had a really full-on week this week it's been really really busy really early starts working late and on Monday I went to the gym and I had a re- stressful day on Monday but I felt okay yeah. um, and then I, I've had really early starts Tuesday Wednesday Thursday and haven't been able to go to the gym and it now it has actually shifted me I've just felt so much more stress throughout the day mm-hmm. as a result of not having that not it just it creates just space I feel yeah. like for yourself just to going it it's it really is you just your brain just goes somewhere else during that time.
1: Yeah, it's 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 just such a powerful thing and it's really that you you time as well. I find for me when I go to the gym, it's that time of really giving myself to look after my health and well being as well. Because not too far back myself, I found myself at a desk all day sitting and writing about the benefits of an active lifestyle, how I <laughs> <not> exercise. Doing. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and my, my girlfriend is in the sort of fitness industry and she does lots of fitness all of the time and she just said, you know, you're just writing about it but you're not really doing it and I just thought yeah. I've really gotta do something because I'm becoming a massive hypocrite. <laughs> Sitting down all day writing about how good the active lifestyle is and yeah, really just for my routine just been creating that time with myself to to be active and just to have those positive impacts. So one thing I'm fascinated by is the ten thousand step
2: concept. It's something that I try, my mum used to try and do it absolutely every day and would get, she'd get to the end of the day and she'd just start walking around her kitchen table (laughs) to try and get to 10,000 steps um, if she wasn't quite there. And uh, it's something I try and do every single day. Um, It feels a bit of a random number though. Why 10,000? Is there actually science behind it or is it just a nice, big, round number that you can give people?
1: So I think it's a bit of both. I mean, I mean what happens when people do 9,999? Yeah. Does that mean you don't get the benefits? Yeah, yeah, well, yeah, of well, course. of course not. It's on, a, it's on a continuum. So just doing some activity is good for you. But there is good evidence that doing 10,000 or more steps can reduce your risk of various physical health conditions such as diabetes or having weight gain um, and also mental health benefits as well.
0: And so one question on that, is there benefit from doing more? You know, in terms of what you were saying about the pathways that are created in your brain and things like that as you're exercising, are we going to get more pathways and things being created if we exercised an hour a day rather than 30 minutes? Or actually, is there a point at which you get to where it sort of happened and then it doesn't matter if you do anymore?
1: So within mental health, we're not sure about that particular question. But what we can be certain about is that just doing some is beneficial for your mental health. But when you get to the 150-minute threshold, then we can be sure there's there's even more benefits. Um, so myself and some colleagues did a study earlier this year which looked at 260,000 people across Uh, the world and we tracked people over a seven-year period and people's mental health status were measured at the beginning and everybody was free from depression. And we followed them up over seven years, measured their physical activity levels at the start and then looked at see how many people went on to develop depression according to their physical activity level. And we found that those who were most active were around 14 or 16% less likely to develop depression compared to those who were least active. But the most potent effect was when people did 150 minutes a week and there's about a 30% reduced risk of developing depression in the future for those who did 150 minutes over the course of the week compared to those who didn't do that. In terms of exercise, how do we define exercise? Is exercise walking
2: five minutes from your house in the morning to the tube? Or does... Do you need and then, your heart rate to that, come up? Or does it have to be something where it's concerted? Right, I'm walking much faster now or I'm jumping up and down or I'm pushing weights or I'm doing yoga. Yeah. So does just general walking count as exercise or does it have to be something where it's kinda of define I'm doing something different other than just walking down the street now?
1: Yeah, so there's there's two different concepts within that. So by definition, um, physical activity is any bodily movement which increases your energy expenditure. So that could be any type of movement. And physical activity is what we really want to be engaging and encouraging to do um, people to do. So that would be walking or that would just be moving to go and pick up a cup of tea or going to the shops. And exercise is a subset of that, and it's a a structured form of physical activity with a specific goal to increase your fitness. So that could be running or going to the gym or doing a sport, and that is exercise as well. Now, not everybody likes exercise, uh, even the word, particularly if you've not had very positive experience in the past. So very much we try and talk about the benefits of physical activity and just being active because it's more encompassing. And there's also really good evidence that light physical activity, such as just gentle walking, is also are really good for your physical and mental health as well. So both physical activity and structured exercise are beneficial for you as well. So there's a number of studies which we're working on have come out recently which may be of real interest uh, to your listeners. So one of the studies which we're looking at at the moment is measuring people's physical activity levels uh, at baseline, then we're following people up to see if people go on to develop an anxiety disorder. And we found something similar to what we did in the depression study. So we found that people who engage in higher levels of physical activity are less likely to go on to develop anxiety-related disorders as well. So the potential preventive effects of physical activity from getting uh, anxiety and stress-related disorders is is really exciting as well. Um, Another study which we've done quite recently is looking at what happens when you give exercise as an intervention Um, versus control conditions to this key area in the brain called the hippocampus. Which is Um, what we
0: talked about right at the beginning. Which is
1: what we talked about right at the beginning. And this hippocampus region is really important for um, consolidating memories from short to long term and also thoughts, feelings and emotions. So if we look at dementia or if we look at depression, the hippocampus often shrinks in these conditions as well. And what we've been able to demonstrate in over 700 people is that exercise can increase this area in the hippocampus from people's baseline compared to a control condition. So you can have a real powerful impact when you engage in aerobic exercise over a 12-week period to increase the volume within this key area in the brain that's implicated in various cognitive and mental health conditions as well.
0: What's interesting what we said there is 12-week period, so actually this is something where you could start to see results actually relatively quickly.
1: Absolutely. You, so you could, within a relatively short time frame, see improvements in this really key area within the brain. I should also bring it back to say that even within a one-off exercise session, you can have a powerful impact on your brain and also within various growth factors. So earlier on, I talked about... Um, so. Uh, Uh, molecules which can help with brain growth such as BDNF and a one-off exercise session for 30 minutes can increase the um, production of this BDNF which helps cell regeneration within your brain so just doing a one-off exercise can have a, a powerful neuroprotective effect on your brain as well.
0: That's also really interesting because one of the things we've talked about a lot and sort of generally in, in all our um, conversations, our podcast guests, in all different areas is how people often feel like they need an all or nothing approach. You know, they need, they need to be exercising every day or they need to be eating healthily every day. But actually what you're saying is that's, you know, what ideally going to be moving, you know, five times a week or so. But actually even one time can have a powerful effect. So if you're traveling, you've got long hours, some days, that's okay. If you try and get it in in between, that will still have a tangible effect on your brain.
1: Absolutely, it will. And these are really powerful uh, molecules which can really protect your brain and also help your mental health as well. So just that one-off 20 minutes, 30 minutes can have a real stress-reducing uh, impact and protective effect on your brain and cognition. So don't ever just think that a 30-minute session won't help your cognitive or mental health. There's proven evidence that it will.
0: And when you say cognitive, so even if if we take one step outside of mental health issues, for people who are feeling pretty good now... But it, it, the exercise will still have that powerful impact on their brain in terms of just kind of mental clarity for the day or um, kind of general cognitive ability.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So there's really good evidence that that one-off session of exercise can improve people's uh, cognition, concentration, attention as well. And if you look at um, brain scans, you can also see increases in connectivity between various areas within the brain as well. So just from that one-off exercise session, you can have powerful impacts on people who don't have any mental or cognitive health impact.
0: So it really is for everyone. It, mean, it really, really is for, for everyone.
1: everyone. Absolutely everyone, and no, any age, any age, no matter where you are. If you're, you know, a young child, right up to the end of, uh, you know, later on in life. And and at what point does this? 30 minutes, five times a
2: week or so, at what age, up to what age? Is there benefits or is it literally from the age
1: you can walk until? Movement has been shown to help people across the age band, right from early, early years, where there's evidence that engaging in physical activity can improve like school performance, um, academic achievement, concentration, um, reduce mental health burden, to even towards the end of people's lives. So there's evidence looking at uh, people who are in uh, hundreds who've engaged in lighter forms of physical activity and it can have a powerful impact on people's physical health and mental health at the end of their uh, sort of life as well. So whatever age you are, moving is good for you.
0: That's amazing. I mean, we, we're big believers in the idea that once you start to understand why something matters and why it impacts on you, It's so much more motivating to start to make those little changes. So we so appreciate you coming in and kind of really starting to open our eyes and highlight, you know, if you do go for a run, every step you take, that's actually what's happening in the brain.
2: Brendan, one thing uh, we do with with every guest we we have on is ask them at the end of the show a mantra or a practice that they live by each day. So... um,
0: something to help them create a kind of happier healthier life for some people that's taking a walk every day for other people that's a saying um
1: for some people it's meditation um what's yours do I have to say one, or can I? You can have my uh, Can I? Can I have? So, so for for me, um, what I what I try and do today to stay sort of whole person well-being wellbeing health is I try and practice the attitude of gratitude. And I know it's a bit of a cheesy saying, but I often start the day with writing ten things I'm grateful for, Amazing. and that really helps put me on a, on a positive. You do that every footing. single morning. Every single morning, I'll write ten things which I'm I'm grateful for, and I must admit sometimes it can be more difficult to write things I'm grateful for, but just setting out and going out the door in the morning with that positive attitude really shifts my thinking to that place of gratitude that really helps me as well.
0: And do you find the routine if that helpful too as you said that some days maybe you don't wake up in the best frame of mind for whatever reason but actually forcing yourself in a way to come back to it every single day has that been helpful?
1: Absolutely yeah it's really helpful because some days are fantastic and it's great and it's just very easy to write down but some days like we all get are not going particularly well or how we imagined. So on those days it's really key and it really helps me to to, to write down and, and think and be present with my list to really practice and be aware of things that I can be grateful for. It's really powerful and it helps me when I take that foot out the door.
0: That's amazing. I mean that's something you've talked about so much in the last year or so. Matt's mum passed away a few months ago and like you had a complete shift in you in January. When you said, you know, I've just got to be grateful for everything, and your whole mindset changed. Like I've never seen someone's mindset changed after a really difficult six months.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think when you have a complete focus on what you have rather than what you want or don't have, it
1: does. It just creates a complete shift within your yeah. being, and so.
0: Amazing. And what's
1: your other one? So the other one is that helps me is I'll try and give someone else a call and try and be of help to them. So whether call or do like a, you know a random kind act to someone, which is something which I'll I'll try and do as well over the course of the day. And again, I've just find that helps me get out of what I'd like from the day to try and look at what I can do for somebody else as well.
0: I love that, because it's so easy to get really caught up in yourself, isn't
1: it? It really is, just to start to think about what I've got to do today, where I've got to be, and just completely focusing on on all of those tasks. And I'll often just give someone a a call and just say, how are you doing over the course of the day? And get out of self and really find out what's going on for them and just be there and create that time. Often at my lunch break, I'll give someone a call and just say, how are you doing today?
0: I love that. absolutely love that. I feel like I need to start doing that.
1: Amazing.
2: Amazing. Brendan, it has been fascinating having you on and I think and I hope anyone listening will have learned a huge amount today. And so thank you so, so much for
1: sharing all of this with us.
0: And if anyone wants to learn a little bit more or more on you um, or the topic in general, what are the best resources?
1: So, if anybody would like to know more, I'm very happy to take emails and questions. So, it's, it's brendan.stubbs at kcl.ac.uk. I'm also on Twitter, Brendan Stubbs uh, on there. So, happy to take tweets, questions, emails. Fantastic. Thank you so, so much. Thank you. Thank you, you for the invite. It's been great. Oh, thank, thank, you. thank you. And
0: if you have any feedback on this episode, we would love to hear it. So, please do review it, please do rate it, and share any of that feedback with us. And otherwise, I hope you can tune in for an next episode and definitely subscribe um there'll be a new episode coming out for you every tuesday
2: thanks so much everyone the first taste of rare bourbon you finally got your hands on
0: that's nice at caskers.com we make this experience easy